2: what is up everybody we are in the middle of a special indie alley podcast this week a midday podcast because we have a special guest tonight we have david pepos author and creator of the oz a kickstarter project that you guys may have seen popping across fred and i's twitter
0: and all over the inner spaces hello hi thank you guys so much for having me Uh you know uh I really appreciate the support. I really appreciate you helping us spread the word. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this new Kickstarter, uh, the OZ. It's been a project that uh, has been in the works for a very long time, uh, since the uh, release of the first volume, Spencer and Locke. And so uh, it feels like a nice weight off my shoulders to finally be able to talk about it. Uh, this book is finally real, and uh, I couldn't be happier. So why Kickstarter? Sure. Um it's, it's a great question and you know it's really it's the convergence of a lot of things uh, you know uh for one, for starters, I've been thinking about doing Kickstarter for a long time. Um, I'm friendly with people like Charlie uh, Charlie Stickney from White Ash, mm-hmm. um, Pat Shan from Destiny New York, okay. uh, Russell Nihelty from Akabon Jones, uh, my pal Ryland Grant just did a really successful Kickstarter for his book The Jump. So I, you know, a lot of these people, you know, Pat being the exception, um, they all live in Los Angeles, and so I've I've known all these people for a long time. Um, we've done signings together, we've tabled together, and they've all said you should really do Kickstarter. And the thing that got me was um, they, they said, you know, there's some people that buy their books primarily at comic shops, and some that buy them primarily at uh, Amazon or Comixology, some who buy them primarily on uh, at cons, which, you know, we're not really doing anymore uh, for the foreseeable future. And then there are people who buy them primarily on Kickstarter. And I realized that there was a whole demographic of readership that I wasn't doing any outreach for. So I I'd known for a while that that was something I wanted to do. And then meanwhile, the OZ, which for for those who uh, who don't know what that book is, it's it's what if Mad Max and the Hurt Locker took place in the Wizard of Oz. Um it kind of recasts Dorothy Gale killing the wicked witch as a, a sort of a botched regime change and follows her granddaughter, a disillusioned Iraq war veteran when she's dropped into the war-torn land of Oz. So she'll have to kind of navigate her own past and her grandmother's former friends to survive the occupied zone, or as the locals call it, the O.Z. So, um, you know, this this book, like I said, it's been in the works for a long time. Um, it was one of the first ideas I came up with after the first Spencer and Locke came out, because, you know, at the time, I didn't know if I was going to get run out of the industry for that book. So, like, I <laughs> just I just, I didn't know if I would I, I, I didn't know if I'd be a comics writer after that. Like, if people hated that book, I don't think I would have done another another series. Wow. Um, so I, uh, thankfully people seem to really respond to that book. And so, you know, uh, you know, about, it was about three years ago, um, you know, the dust settles, I kind of popped my head up, made sure it was safe. And, um, and then I came up with three more ideas. Uh, one of them being Spencer and lock two, uh, which i had had in my back pocket for a long time. Uh, the second was going to the chapel. I was oh. the uh, world's worst best man at uh, my oldest friend's wedding. So I was in the middle of all that. And the idea kind of came to me and then the OZ. Because uh, I wanted to do something with fantasy, and I, you know, I I pitched this uh, to a few places. Um, you know, I had worked with one publisher; they had asked me to develop it on my own without an art team attached, and we made it to about the one-yard line. And um, somebody else who had a lot more experience than me had a, 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 a darker fantasy book that got pitched around the same time as us. Uh-huh. So I don't begrudge anybody for that book. Not making it across the finish line it was just really just we were a victim of timing and um the editor who i had who, who asked me to develop it they actually um they 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 really went out of their way afterwards to say listen this was not a referendum on you or the quality of the work um this was just the chips did not fall your way but i would highly recommend you continue to pursue this book it's it's a book that really has legs so um I actually I sent them a, an an email um when our Kickstarter went up after that first day just to say you know that was that little act of kindness that you didn't have to do but it really changed the game for me. Mm-hmm. Um but you know we had talked with other publishers as well and here's the thing here's the secret in in even in the best of times the the the, the acquisitions pipeline can be chaotic. Um you know there there people get distracted things happen people you know bigger names get thrown into the mix so Mm -hmm. you know i've had publishers where i had talked with them about this very book um and they would say we're really interested in it let's talk about getting something on the schedule i'd say great let's get a contract together and we can do that and then three months would go by and we'd start the conversation all over again it was a little like groundhog day oh wow um and it's not like for any lack of enthusiasm on their part it's literally just they were that slammed and that underwater so um then covid struck And, you know, Diamond had their temporary shutdown. And I think the whole industry felt that as like a real seismic shock. And I realized that I could solve one problem with the other. Um, That we could give the OZ a great home. um, Get the book out since we already had two standard-sized issues in the can that paired together nicely as a double-sized first issue that we're, we're, uh, we're promoting. And we could introduce ourselves to the Kickstarter community with the best possible book. Um, you know, really bring our A game. Really, you know, uh, if I want to sort of engage that demographic and add that to the readership base that we've already been so lucky to achieve with Spencer and Locke and go to the chapel, this was the way to do it. Um, I'm always trying to invite more people to the table and build that bigger consensus. And Kickstarter was really an empowering platform to do that. Uh, because now not only do i know how to write because i i practice at that um but you know I, I and not you know i can do project management because i've had to do that as an indie guy i'm I'm my own editor um and i've learned publicity just by doing by, by my other books but i didn't know anything about printing i didn't know anything about shipping i didn't know anything about production uh now i do and that's really helpful for me i think that was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle Whereas now, if I have an idea and I feel really strongly about it, and I feel like we're bringing our A game with it, we don't necessarily have to wait for permission from a traditional publisher to move forward. We can bring it straight to the people on Kickstarter. We're not wedded to the month-to-month frequency. Um, yeah. You know, we're planning on doing this The OZ, for example, a little more seasonally. Uh, you know, uh, uh, have our issue fulfilled. You know, uh, knock on wood, making sure the post office is still alive. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, by the holidays um and then and then doing our second kickstarter in february um so you know it gives us a little bit more flexibility in the timing making sure that we don't kill our artists um and yet also lets us interact directly with the readership in a way that i've never experienced even even with our, our my direct market debuts which have all had really amazing passionate cult followings um mm. this is at a whole other level and mm. uh it's it's very exciting and i i It honestly, um, given the outpouring of support we've gotten in just our first week, it really feels like uh, a leap of faith rewarded.
2: Yeah, I thought about that. Thinking about where you must have been last Sunday (laughs)
0: to this Sunday. Yeah.
2: On the precipice, like, oh, what's going to happen? I was was very nervous. And and Um, now, boom.
0: (laughs) The night before the Kickstarter launched, I remember I had worked myself up into like an actual panic. Um, where I had, I, 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 there's a button on the back end of Kickstarter where it says prepare to launch. And I'd gotten Mm -hmm. all in my own head of like, what does that mean? Is that the actual launch button or is that just like a jump to another launch button? I'd gotten in my head that like Kickstarter had already approved the project, but I was like, are they going to need to approve it one more time? I had been teasing it as Project Saffron. We didn't even announce the title until the thing actually was released um and my 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 girlfriend took pity on me and she just looked it up and she's like no you just you, it, you just click prepare to launch and then they have a little checkbox saying like hey you sure you've looked this over you're cool with this good you're ready to launch and then i just grumped about like well why why do i have to jump through the, the checkbox? why can't i just hit launch <laughs> um but yeah i was i was very nervous um i i woke up uh i woke up uh I think at 5:45, the day that we launched, we were supposed to be wow. launching the campaign at 9am uh, my time. But, um, you know, as somebody who's worked on both sides of the, of the table for comics journalism, sometimes people miss embargoes or sometimes editors just hit the button because they have to hit the button. Um, and so we actually did launch our campaign a couple hours early. Um, because yeah, like one of our, our exclusives went a little earlier than planned, which is fine. Not a big deal, but, um, I think it worked out well for us. You know, we, we came out about an hour after Scott Snyder launched his Kickstarter. So that meant there were a lot of people discovering his mm-hmm. Kickstarter. They were in the ecosystem. And then Kickstarter would then be able to recommend our book. So I think it wow. really, we got the best possible wind at our backs. Um, you know, people keep saying, you know, how can you replicate this? And the answer is, oh, I can't like, uh, you know, unless, unless I coordinate every single Kickstarter campaign with Scott Snyder moving forward, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, we happen to really luck Perfect out and storm. and yeah, like really one of the best single days to launch a Kickstarter yeah. in, in, in recent months, we just happened to be Kickstarter twins with Scott Snyder and it really paid off for us, I think in a big way.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's quite surprising because when I first jumped on here before we jumped on here, I was like, Whoa, he's already has, you know, 745 backers up to that moment. I was like, how's that have you feeling right now? Um, I, I I mean, it feels unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I, I
0: couldn't be more grateful, um, to, to everybody who's kind of come together to lift us up. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, you know, my friends who had, had done Kickstarters before, they had told me set your keep your goals pretty conservative. You know, you've never done a Kickstarter mm-hmm. before. So they were all telling me like between five and seven thousand. So I went through six just to kind of split the difference. Yeah. Um and uh so yeah, um, you know, you, you have backup plans and they have backup plans for yeah. the backup plans, but you don't really there's no way for you to prepare to be being funded in two hours there's just it right. just you know it doesn't work like that i mean it's like yeah. stepping out to get a sandwich and winding up on the moon you know <laughs> you there's just no accounting for that level of complete exactly. overshot mm-hmm. um so that's been a you know a, a fun challenge for me um you know we're sort of rubik's cubing this a little bit um just like the way you would write a comics page it's all based on the constraints it's how much can how many panels can you fit on a page? how many balloons can you fit in those panels how many words can you fit in those balloons um you know for kickstarter it's okay how much can i fit in uh you know how much can i fit in the uh in the shipping you know in our gemini mailers for example uh, because you know once once you hit a certain if you don't hit a certain weight then we're just sending it first class you know yeah. just in the mailer um once you hit a certain weight then we go in the priority envelopes and once you hit more than that or if you need more than one uh gemini mailer then you get the priority boxes and those each afford their own opportunities of things you can ship um so yeah you know we're figuring that out it's ways we can enhance the book so we're adding pinups to the book we're talking with our printer now about ways we can do enhanced covers Mm -hmm. um and then also digital distribution um you know we've got the digital comics extravaganza that was our first uh stretch goal which we uh, broke through the other day so we've got uh you know digital pdfs of books from a ton of indie uh creators Justin Jordan Frank Gogol uh, Kevin Eastman uh, the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. so graciously agreed to uh give us a, a pdf of his number 1 issue uh, of Drawing Blood so um yeah you know it's like a real kind of murderers row of talent like we've had so much um excitement over the digital uh, uh comics extravaganza we're actually going to be staggering them out Uh, over the you know over the courses of our next kickstarter campaigns um so yeah you know it's it's just it's 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 trying to work within your constraints and not you know you don't want to delay the shipping of the book that's not worth it and you don't want to blow up your shipping budget because like it doesn't matter you know i've seen kickstarters where their eyes got bigger than their stomach and you know it killed their campaigns they didn't realize how much it was going to hose them on the shipping and you know it yeah it just it, it it ended badly for them so that's we're trying to kind of learn from that um and and uh, yeah you know so far it's been a really fun challenge um especially because you know we've got you know 23 odd days left as as we're recording this and um you know so the sky's the limit at this point so how do you stay
2: focused and into it when you're so far funded yeah. So quickly, and so now your plan has to change. You know, did you expect this quickly to have to like get into the stretch goals? No. And to get into not in these... the least. I. And I... So it's <laughs> like a kind of a reshuffling of your. <laughs> yes,
0: I. You know, because because my my expectations had been, can we get funded for one issue in thirty days? And I was thinking my plans at that point was, what are the stops I need to pull out to get us to the finish line, you know, in time? And then once we blew through that finish line, it was oh. I had backup plans, but not nearly enough. You know, for example, um, the pinups, you know, I had, I had, um, two, I, I had asked a bunch of people to do variant covers. Just, you know, I, I think I had reached out to five different people, um, thinking that maybe three of them would say yes. And all five of them said yes. So I had to figure out, okay, like maybe we'll save one person, like we'll save two of these people as covers for a future issue or something. Um, very quickly, I was like, "Oh nope! One of those covers is going to have to get used as a uh, as 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 a print, um, wow. our our Kira uh, uh, Okamoto uh, comic-sized print that's going to be that's our current script stretch goal." Um, so realizing, oh okay, I got to really think on the fly now and figure out like who, what artists do I know who are available to do prints? Um, figuring that out, um, you know, uh, you know, talking with people about you know. Potential stickers, potential bookmarks, um, you know, uh, it, it's it, that has actually sort of been the most stressful, I think, part for me. Yeah, just figuring <laughs> yeah. out like, oh, boy, this wasn't part of the plan. The plan was just get it funded. And now it's, yeah. get you know, it's get it enhanced. Right. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, it's just continuing to do outreach, um, you know, podcasts like these. It, it's, it's, it's sort of I, I caught up last night with the last of the print articles that I owed people at least currently I'm if more people send me stuff, then I'll owe them too. But um, you know, I, by the time that this campaign will be finished, I think I have interviews scheduled through the first week of September. And I think I'm over, I think I've, I've hit 45 of them already. Mm-hmm. Um, You know? And so it's, it's, that's really keeping me kind of awake <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better term. And is, you know, just kind of, that's what I like about doing all these interviews is it really reminds me what we're doing this for and what this book is really about and it kind of helps me clarify to our readership you know what we're going for with this series to make sure people know that we're not doing a book like this for shock value's sake but that we're able to justify it narratively in a way that doesn't punch down but instead treats our characters with compassion empathy and respect because ultimately i believe that means we're treating our readers with compassion empathy and respect
1: yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. Um, I showed the video of the OZ to my son, who's mm-hmm. fourteen. He normally joins us on the podcast. Sure. And the first thing he said was, "Dad, this is really awesome." Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else by uh, David Propose? Well, I said nice, yes. Yeah. There's three trades on the on the shelf downstairs in the basement, and he went down there immediately, grabbed, Aww. and then he said, "Can you ask him one question for me?" Uh, 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 he said what inspired you to write this book based upon this the classic
0: sure Um, that's a great question Um, you know as far as Spencer and Locke is concerned um, you know for a long it wasn't until after Spencer and Locke came out that I gave myself permission to be a comics writer Mm -hmm. Um, you know for the longest time I I grew up in Missouri. You know, I, I didn't know any artists. I didn't know any professional writers. I, you know, I just didn't think that was a real job. Um, and even when I got my start as an intern at DC comics, even though I was able to put names to faces, I still was like, Oh, that's like a job for people way more talented. I just, I, 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 I didn't even give myself permission to think about it. I thought for a long time I wanted to be an editor and, um, for for a long time that was a career path i wanted to pursue you know i was i I was working as a newspaper reporter and editor for a while and i was working at newsrama as their reviews editor and um i took a class actually an online class at comics experience about comics editing and um it was a great class but it kind of taught me oh that's actually not me playing to my strengths um you know it's all the hardest jobs that i have right now as an indie comics guy with like none of the glory you know um you know none of the none of the fun stuff it's it's playing traffic cop and 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 therapist and and priest and accountant and uh you know and bail bondsman um you know and bounty hunter sometimes and um these are all things that i have to do is this kind of the editor of my books but like i also get to write them and like it's my name on it and like i steer if i'm steering the ship i'm going to steer the whole ship yeah um rather than have to work that hard steering somebody else's ship so um you know i when i kind of i think my father was the one that really kind of crystallized it for me he he i was working a publicity job at cbs in new york and i hated it and, um he was telling me what's the one thing you can do that nobody else can do and i kind of realized that i was like well you know people can write but nobody can write the way that i write And so that kind of gave me a little bit of permission. And so what happened specifically with Spencer and Locke was, you know, people say, write what you know. And what they mean is kind of write what your lived experience has been. You know, if you've ever dealt with heartbreak or what was it like to learn how to drive a car or, you know, what was it like when you had your first kid or what was it like when somebody you loved died? You know, these sort of universal things. But at the time, people say, write what you know, they think, oh, you have to have, like, you know, an encyclopedic knowledge on, on you know, biochemistry or something to write, like, you know, a, a, a sci-fi story. Exactly. Couldn't be further from the truth. But at the time, I didn't get that. And so I said, oh, God, what do I, what do I know about anything? Uh, the only thing I know anything about is comics. And then I realized, like, oh, that might not be as limited as I thought you know um and so i i had really liked classic frank miller um you know his daredevil the man without fear really spoke to me as a kid it made me realize that real writers make these things it was the first voice that stood out to me creatively and um so i thought what would be like the craziest thing i could throw up against that um and when i thought of calvin and hobbes the light bulb went off like I thought of this detective kind of you know beat up and kind of grinning in the rain and he's holding on to a stuffed animal and I was like oh what's that guy's home life like <laughs> that seems interesting and yeah as we dug into the story you know it, it, it brought up a lot of things that I thought about reading Calvin and Hobbes as a kid um, I loved Calvin and Hobbes growing up and I think uh, revisiting it as an adult there's a different sort of appreciation. You read it as a kid, you just think it's funny and yeah, it's imaginative. Right. As an mm-hmm. adult, you realize all, all the technical proficiency and pioneering and innovation that Waterson was building. You know, Frank Miller did a lot of innovation with pa- pacing on the scope of a page. You know, you think of the 16-panel grid from Dark Knight Returns, you know, the slow motion scene of uh, Bruce Wayne's family getting killed. Um, Bill Watterson did all the same stuff in a, in a comparative runway the size of a postage stamp. You know, he's throwing in all sorts of, uh, of, of technique into it. He's trying different art styles. He's doing all these beautiful watercolors. He's throwing in all sorts of different uh, genres. Um, you know, sometimes his humor is getting really subversive. Um, I feel like he and Frank kind of have that overlap in common. Wow, um, I never put that together. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, these are, these are the margins in which I live. Uh, <laughs> I've thought about it for a long time. And so, um, but, you know, the thing that really struck me was I, I have an almost 10-year age gap between me and my younger siblings. Um, they're, 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 they're triplets. They're a lot younger than me. Um, they're in their mid-20s. I'm in my mid-30s. And so I remember reading Calvin and Hobbes as a kid, and it was the one thing that stood out at me was I was like, I don't understand this imaginary friend thing. Like, I, you make real friends. That's what happens, you know, if you don't have siblings. And so uh, as an adult, I realized, oh, maybe this is not like some benign quirk. Maybe this is like a symptom of a deeper pathology, and I remember reading this uh strip on Reddit. um They had remixed a Bill Watterson strip where it was like Calvin doing his homework, and Hobbes goes, "Oh, come on, let's go out and play," and Calvin says, "I can't. I got homework to do." And Hobbes goes, "Really? Since when do you do your homework?" And Calvin goes, "Yeah, Mom put me on a, a new medication. She says it's really helped improve my focus." And then the last panel is just Calvin doing his homework and this like lifeless like. Hobbs doll just sitting in the chair next to him and I like cackled seeing that yeah. and then realized like oh maybe that's a point like maybe maybe there's something kind of messed up here
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, you know once you thought once you, I started to put two and two together the story really kind of you know unraveled pretty quickly oh, yeah um, just realizing like oh maybe that this you know maybe this is somebody who's just so profoundly alone that the sort of last-ditch escape hatch that his mind has come up with is to invent his own best friend. And there's something about that that's simultaneously just so heartbreakingly sad, but also just, like, so immensely hopeful. um, Mm -hmm. That, like, you know, it just shows kind of the, 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 the lengths your mind will go to protect itself from harm. That you can, if you can't find hope, you can make your own hope. And uh, so I think that's the thing that I've always, always tried to remind people about Spencer and Locke is, yes, it's dark and yes, it's dealing with some very combustible material. But I think that makes Locke's redemptive arc shine that much brighter. It's through that contrast. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I mean, I am I feel very grateful with the response of that book. Um, you know, uh, almost universally, people really seem to respond to what we were doing. Uh, which makes sense because like that book was like a motorcycle stunt jump. Everybody was watching because they wanted to see if I stuck the landing or if I just like ate it. Yeah. Um, nobody was more surprised than me <laughs> when I stuck the landing. <laughs> um, but you know, it, I, I think the thing that means more to me is that, you know, seeing readers from toxic or abusive upbringings or people who are neurodivergent, um, come up to us and say that the book meant something to them. Uh, I think that's kind of the most the biggest compliment I could get as a creator. And um, yeah, just, you know, the, the fact that, you know, I don't consider myself an essential worker. The fact that we could just give a little something extra to people, um, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like we did
1: our jobs. Yeah, that's a, wow. I didn't know it was that deep, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now to the OZ
2: yeah. and, and, in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, did you read the books as a child, or, or was it the movies? Or because the books were yeah. a little darker, the barks, you know, the
0: books the books are a little darker. Um, you know, they, they did sanitize stuff for the films, or for the film. Um, you know, I, I grew up watching the the movie as as, uh-huh. as most people uh, of my generation, and I believe there was a Wizard of Oz related cartoon that I also saw growing up. Um, but I actually revisited the books as an adult. Um, I, I wrote. I read them for um, a class in adolescent literature in college, and I actually wrote a term paper about how *The Wizard of Oz*, how how Al Frank Baum, he created almost like a prototypical superhero universe. Like he was building, you know, over the course of twenty novels, he was building on continuity and mythology in this shared universe, uh, decades before Stan and Jack ever came on the scene, and um, and so that 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 always um appealed to me but you know it's one of those things unlike unlike spencer and Locke, where i was like oh yeah like we're gonna like you know the idea of doing something deconstructing calvin and Hobbes," you know that that was sort of part of the intention from very early on the oz it was it was it was less me going into it saying i'm gonna do something in the wizard of oz and more of the wizard of oz kind of backing into this thing that i wanted to do um i wanted to do a fantasy story um you know, after having done crime and after doing a rom-com, I want to, you know, I want to take a bigger swing. And sci-fi, sci-fi still is very challenging to me. I mean, I've written sci-fi books since then. Um, Grand Theft Astro, we're just getting the art on that now. Uh, but that book is written, thank goodness. Um You know, sci or fantasy, on the other hand, there's a lot of room for characterization and metaphor and theme, um, you know, in the working of the magic and, and the powers that it play. So um, I wrote down on a Google Doc a bunch of uh, inspirations, you know, of fantasy, you know, things like Lord of the Rings, Lloyd Alexander, Piers Anthony, Harry Potter, uh, The Wizard of Oz. And so as I saw my cursor kind of flashing in the word Oz, I was like, oh, this is like, this feels so short, but so iconic. And then I thought, what if it was an acronym for something? And then I thought of uh, the series DMZ. And then I thought of, oh, it's the Occupied Zone. And that was when, like, the lightning bolt hit me. And I was like, oh, this isn't just a war story. it's Or is isn't a fantasy story. It's a war story. Yeah. And um, that image, uh, which Ruben Rojas just channeled scarily well, um, uh, our main cover, you know, yeah. seeing Dorothy as this, like, kind of haunted soldier staring at us. Um, and the tin, tin soldier is this kind of, you know, towering war machine freedom fighter. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's something. Yeah. That's an image that I... I I found hard to escape and so um you know when i started talking with editors at at different publishers um i had included the oz in my list of 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 things that i could flesh out and they immediately kind of latched onto that they were like yeah that's something that's got some legs and as i wrote the story and as i sort of explored it further i really fell in love with the characters i really fell in love with the world um you know i've talked to uh ruben at, uh, rojas our artist and, and colorist witty kogar and really the directive i gave them was what's the mad max version of star wars look like um uh, because there's that same similar feeling of scale that sort of sweeping yeah. scope of it all you know star wars is defined not just by the characters but by the locations you know you've yeah. got tatooine you've got hoth you've got uh dagobah you've got endor you've got cloud city you've got uh, the yeah. death star and all those, those locations have their own unique temperature and high concepts and vibes and palettes. And, um, the land of Oz is the same way. Um, uh, you know, the, the bombed out Emerald City is going to feel very different than the Deadly Desert, which is going to feel very different than the mountaintops of Ix, which is going to feel very different than the Wicked Witch's castle. Um, and that sort of globe trotting, uh, uh, element of it all, sort of exploring the world of Oz. Um, I think it allows us to continue to explore those themes of trauma that I'd like to explore uh, with Dorothy, but we get to raise the scale and we get to raise the stakes accordingly. Um, Because it's not just, you know, if Locke screws up and can't figure out, you know, how to do stuff, he winds up dead in an alley. But if Dorothy can't get it together, then an entire world is lost. Um, So she's really, you know, she's fighting for big stakes here on top of sort of the human element that, that permeates the story.
1: Yeah, it's a it's really interesting, like in your video where you talk about Dorothy Gale. Yeah. And like her PS. uh, PTSD. Yeah, PTSD. And, you know, you've uh, shown us the first 11 pages as well on the Kickstarter. Yeah. And man, that is so powerful. Like when I read that, I I was so ready for the next 33 pages.
0: (laughs) Thank you. You know, um, it means a lot. I, I I you know I, I think a lot of that was informed by um you know when I worked as a newspaper reporter, um I, I was general assignment and so you know I covered a lot of different beats. You know, I covered crime, I covered state politics, but I also covered, you know, uh, you know, the local mental health uh, uh stories mm-hmm. in, in the region and uh the local military beat. And so I wound up, I interviewed a lot of veterans, um, you know, especially we're in rural Massachusetts. It's not always the place that gets all the tax dollars. It's not the place that gets all the spotlight or the infrastructure. And so I remember interviewing a lot of people who were trying in their own ways to reintegrate coming back home after this time overseas. And, and sort of the, the struggles that they had, not just in sort of these feelings of hypervigilance or sort of you know, literally being kind of like mentally locked in this, in, in, in the the past, but this, this difficulty of articulating it, it's the feeling of isolation that really kind of makes you alienated. And so, um, you know, exploring that with Dorothy, when she comes back, um, you know, that's something that I think is really powerful. And I think, you know, we, 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 we're trying to do it justice, um, just sort of based on, on sort of the conversations that I've had, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I've been fortunate enough that I, I have friends who have served. Um, you know, I, I, uh, one of my, one of my friends from college was a combat medic, uh, in Afghanistan. So, uh, you know, been able to talk with him a bit about just like, hey, do you think I'm using this terminology correctly? Um, you know, but beyond that, I mean, I do think so much of this story, you know, we, we take Dorothy out of Kansas fairly quickly um you know i don't think it's spoiling too much to say that i i can imagine she's going to show up in oz pretty quickly uh with a tornado bearing down on her um you know but for her you know so much of her journey is she's she's made only a little bit of progress since coming home but you know that's still progress and now she's back in a war zone and so she's kind of kind of to figure out like what's her role supposed to be uh what's what's the right decision here because, you know, she's she's pretty disillusioned from her time as a soldier. She's kind of thinking, what was it all for? Um, you know, is there any way of sort of escaping the cycle of violence? And then she's dropped into this world where she's seen as royalty. Uh, you know, uh, by virtue of who her grandmother was, everyone's looking to Dorothy for answers. And that's a very uncomfortable place for her. Um, she's already realized that the skill set for waging war and the skill set for building a lasting peace, they are not necessarily always on the same page and so that's going to be something that she's going to have to reckon with over the course of this series is not just about being a good soldier someone who can you know survive to fight another day but she's also she's got to be a leader and she's got to ask herself you know kind of what are these moral decisions of war how do you make the right choices um and also is there a way to break this cycle um and 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 that will be something that um uh, you know she'll really have to she'll have to grapple with a lot over the course of the series yeah most definitely yeah
2: the, the, it was a perfect amount of pages sometimes yeah. when i see a lot of pages i'm i'm you know i'm hesitant sure because, is that going to give away too much but it like you said yeah. we know she's going back to the oz or yeah. back to Oz. so it was like just you just gave us that little bit to define her and then there's the tornado there's thank the, you
0: and we know where she's going. Yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in the value of a good reveal. Um, you know, this comes from my time uh, working in publicity um, that I try not to give things away too much. I mean, that's the reason why, um, If you know, anybody listening to this uh, follows my newsletter, Pep Talks. I, uh, I refer to this book as Project Saffron for the better part of a year. And even when we had our pre-launch page, uh, we called it Project Saffron. We didn't reveal anything Wizard of Oz related until the Kickstarter launched. Um, you know, we wanted to keep it a surprise. We wanted sort of people to, to, to be guessing about what this might be about. And, um, I feel the same way with the, with, with the way we do previews, you know, like we, we have just enough that people kind of know what we're talking about, that, that they get a sense of, oh, okay. Even just the way we structured the, the, the first few pages of the book that you see Oz and you see that it's, you know, in, in pretty bad shape. And then we see Dorothy's in Kansas and she's not in great shape either um and and uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg um i really yeah. feel like our 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 pages ramp up in a big way uh, pretty much right after the preview ends yeah and uh i i'm so excited with how it's turned out um you know we're 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 done with 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 the this installment so i i know what it looks like and it looks positively killer Mm-hmm. Um at, at this point we're just uh, I think we're making a couple of lettering tweaks and um and running it through production just to make sure it's print ready. But uh yeah, it's just this is I think some of the best stuff that I've ever written. Um I think it builds on Spencer and Locke but in a way that still has a unique angle. Um and so yeah, I I um I'm really proud of how this turned out and I'm really glad we took it to Kickstarter because you know, this book like I said was it was burning a hole in my pocket. And you know, I just the fact that so many people have responded to it, um, you know, and that we still have three weeks to go, um, that means a lot to me as a creator. And uh, you know, I couldn't I couldn't be more grateful that fans are putting their trust in us.
1: Okay, I I have a question about Shoot. like okay, on um, in the OZ you mentioned that a civil war is taking place. Yeah. Right. Are and you've also brought about like factions. Now yeah. can you talk about like who's the sure. leaders of these factions? Because yeah. we're well, we're you know, huge oh I'm sorry. No I was gonna say we're just huge wrestling fans too because <laughs> we cover wrestling, so factions is kinda of a big deal for us. <laughs> well,
0: you know, without without spoiling too much, um, you know, like the thing is is you know, you, we we all know the story of the Wizard of Oz. And so mm-hmm. the original Dorothy, you know, she made some extraordinary friends. Uh you know, the 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 scarecrow the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion. And so, um, as we will have discovered in the intervening years since Dorothy left, um, things have not been good in the Land of Oz. And sort of these three guys have all kind of gone their separate ways. They have not been on the same side for a long time. And that's something I really enjoy, is not only do we get to see how war has affected Dorothy, but we get to see how this particular war has affected these characters. So sometimes we're able to kind of do a little bit of remixing of these characters, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're just able to take their innate qualities and follow them to the logical conclusion, and they both feel organic. So, like I said, the Tin Soldier, for example, he's been destroyed and rebuilt so many times with whatever pieces of metal are around him. So he's turned into this kind of, like, hulking, towering war machine, freedom fighter. Um At the same time, he's the guy who wanted a heart. And so what happens to that guy when he spent years watching his friends get killed right in front of him? Um, do you bury that heart do you destroy it or does it always come back um the scarecrow is another character who i really enjoyed writing um i think he was kind of he's kind of the most complex and complicated figure of this series um you know i think readers relationships with him will evolve significantly from our first issue to our last but he's the guy who wanted a brain and he's i think over the over the years realized that that is not a catch-all that you can be the smartest person in the world and still not be able to solve certain problems. And yet at the same time, you know, that you've seen it with like Elon Musk, like all these self-proclaimed smart guys, it's all tied to their ego. And so, you know, what happens when you keep going to this Rubik's cube and you still can't, can't crack it. Uh, what does that turn you into? Like, you know, how, how embittered can you get? Um, so he's, he, he was a really interesting and fun character to explore. Um, and then lastly, uh, you know, the lion. I mean, this is somebody who wanted bravery. But how does that calculus change when you're not just fighting for yourself anymore? What happens when you're the, 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 the king of the animal kingdom um, and you realize that there's a whole nation of people looking out for you? Um, his story also really coincides a lot with Dorothy's in, 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 about legacy, um, you know, because it's sort of how do you reconcile these ideals from the past, sort of these rose-colored ideals when you've sort of been dragged through the mud and you're in this war torn present, like, can you ever really reach those ideals? Were those ideals even really realistic in the first place? Um, That's something the lion's going to have to be grappling with in a big way uh, in in this book. And we've got some other characters from a little bit deeper in the Oz lore. I mean, I wanted to be careful like that. We didn't go too, uh, too far afield. Um, from the popular consciousness i mean the judy garland film is not considered public domain but the books are um, so like we couldn't use the ruby slippers for example silver slippers so anybody calling for your note prize it's i don't want to get sued um yeah. it, you know i i uh it's it's uh you know we have you know the wizard of oz for example uh, super fun character um i i think i think readers are going to really appreciate the fun twist that we've put on that uh, that I think really speaks well to that sort of soft power manipulation, mm-hmm. kindly con man um, uh, uh, thing that we would see, you know, in, in the original films. Yeah. Um, Jack Pumpkinhead uh, plays a, a nice a role head. in this. I love Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah, yeah I've always yeah, really loved that design. Uh, you know, a uh, big re- Return to Oz fan. Um, and so uh, he, he, he plays more of a role in our second and third issues, but he does make an appearance in the first. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 for me, the deeper Oz mythology, it really lends itself more to the world building, um, than necessarily the characters we kind of want to leave, like people like Ozma, for example, you know, or TikTok um, you know, those are characters we kind of want to save in our back pocket, you know, if we ever get told more also, like I said, I don't want people to have to read a ton of books for this book to make sense to them. Um, so I think at least starting off with that foundation of these universal characters, it yeah, it felt important knows. to me. But I do feel like at the same time, we're able to kind of remix them in that team dynamic. You know, if anybody here like played any old-fashioned RPGs like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VII, um, if you like those kind of team dynamics, you're going to love what we're doing with the OZ. Um, but that's always been the appeal to me of those characters, is that they're very strong archetypes. they got very strong designs, very strong points of view, very strong goals. And then you put them all in the room together, and it's like iron sharpens iron. Um, they don't they don't break, uh, but you start seeing new facets of their personality emerge from those sparks. And uh, I think that's something that we do really well in the Oz. Um, and so I think these are going to be characters, kind of from beginning to end, that you are going to find reasons to root for them, and reasons to like them, and and reasons to cheer them on. How many issues are are you planning for this first? So I I had written it as six regular sized issues, and then okay. we've been pairing them together for the Kickstarter campaign, sort of to add more bang for the buck. So uh, okay. yeah, so each of our Kickstarter campaigns will be forty four pages of story each. Uh, we're planning on doing three of them. Uh, you know, that is supposed to be self contained. Uh, but that said, you know, I always write with an idea in my back pocket um, just in case, and if the first weeks response has has indicated anything you know it sounds like people really like it so of course i want to make sure you know the the you know the series wraps and people you know Mm -hmm. are still feeling that way um but uh, you know i never say never i mean i i love working with ruben and uh, i've already told him like we're already discussing kind of like what's next for us after this book like i want to keep working with him until the wheels come off um but yeah i i i uh their ideas, you know, I mean, that's really the theme of the O.Z. in a lot of ways is, you know, just because, you know, uh, the war is over doesn't mean that there's not another battle right around the corner.
2: That's because yeah, awesome. you, you mentioned Pat Shand and yeah. he, he's built in the Kickstarter world. He, his universe just keeps building. Yeah. He even brought other writers in to kind of. He's great. Start taking.
0: I, I, I love Pat, um, you know, super generous with his time and his advice. Um, you know, he introduced me to Rio Burton who did one of our variant covers. Um, he's, he's genuinely, uh, a super nice, super sweet guy. We're actually, we're talking about his podcast, I think later this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he was one of the people, like I showed him the campaign before we launched and he gave me a ton of great advice uh, that I think really helped us out in a big way. Um, you know, uh particularly encouraging me not to overwrite the campaign. <laughs> I think I cut probably okay. a third of what I had written the night before the campaign started. Um, just to make sure that people weren't their eyes weren't glazing over. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, he's terrific. And he's really been like a real role model because like you said, he he's continued to build on his audience and done so in a way that feels organic and a way that, you know, adds a lot of value. And um and you know. Just really, really, um, you know, he, he's thinking about his readership first and foremost. I think that's something very admirable
1: uh, for a creator to do. Okay. Um, now that you've sold everyone on this, on your book, the yeah. OZ, um, yeah. do you want to talk about, like, the tiers that you have sure. offered?
0: Yeah, we've got tons of tiers, uh, literally for every level of your budget. Uh, you can't go wrong. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, even from our $5 minimum tier, um, you will get, pdfs of the first issue of spencer and Locke and go into the chapel uh, so that's already 44 pages um and that's just we want to keep you know introducing people to the rest of my work um you know people who might not know me from kickstarter or people who might have only read one book and not the other um you start at ten dollars and you get not only another 44 pages with the oz number one digital version but you also get my scripts uh you'll get digital versions of those um that's so that, that, that's that's the bedrock of the campaign is you're already getting 88 pages of story plus scripts you you add in another five you get uh ruben's untouched inks you get uh whitney's um untouched colors so for the process junkies you get to see the process of it all um and then yeah we've got you know our print our print issue uh ruben rojas's main cover we've got a trio of amazing variants as well uh mon House, who did our amazing winged monkey cover i caught our death I from love. above cover that cover thank you very much i actually did the colors on that cover so uh, did you? I, awesome i i, I appreciate I really that love that cover i'm a batman daredevil guy and th- yeah. that has a little bit of that <laughs> mon is terrific uh I've, I've done variants with him on all of my series so i i love working with him um you know there's rio burton uh, who's got kind of our movie poster looking cover uh, she's got a real jen Bartel style yeah. and uh yeah i call that our apocalypse oz cover really terrific stuff Uh, And then Kenneth Wagnon really blew me away. Uh, He's the creator of the webcomic Hearts Full of Sand. I've been trying to work with him for ages, and just the timing has never worked out. And I remember I had hit him up mm, about two months before I decided I was going to do a Kickstarter, asking him if he wanted to do a six-issue mini. And he was like, listen, I appreciate it, but I don't have time. I'm working on it. I'm working on my own stuff, which, you know. I don't, I don't begrudge him in this Yeah. So, um, I decided I was going to do a Kickstarter and I was like, I have an idea and I think Kenneth would be perfect for it. So I reach out to him and I think he was pretty skeptical at the time. He's like, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I think he was thinking, I already told you I don't have time. Like, why <laughs> are you bugging me for a cover? And I was like, Kenneth, hear me out. This is the first issue. I'm thinking we do the Akira slide. But instead of a motorcycle, it's a Humvee with the driver's door ripped off. Dorothy shooting out the driver's side, and the tin soldier's on the back of the Humvee firing out of his wrist cannon. And I swear you could feel like the temperature of the room change. And he was like, "Wow, you really have me pegged, don't you?" <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, 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 I hit Kenneth where he lives, and he did such a terrific job in his cover that yeah. the moment I saw it hit my inbox, I the next question I asked was, "How much for the original?" So I have that in my um, apartment. Um, you nice. know, it's, it's such a beautiful piece of artwork. Um, uh, and so yeah, those, 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 those three are just kind of the beginning of our, of our variant cover artists. We've got a bunch more in store for issues wow. two and three. Um, and then yeah, we've got, you know, uh, Kira Okamoto, um, who's doing our amazing, uh, Yellow Brick Road Warrior print. Um, they did a really terrific job on it. And, uh, like I said, you know, we are doing pinups. So we've got, uh, you know, a real kind of, murderer's row of people who are working on stuff right now. Um, you know, uh Joe Mulvey, um, from who's done variants for me and Spencer and Locke. Uh he's agreed to to work on one. Um uh Justin Mason, who's a really talented artist who's up and coming. Um he's working on something right now. Uh, I've got a really cool uh Tin Soldier pinup uh by an artist named Alex Cipriano. Um just it looks it looks like if Jeff Darrow took a his oh, shot okay. at the at the design. Nice. So yeah, it, you know, and 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 more people sort of waiting in the wings, um, but yeah, you know, so we've got that. We've got um, Skype sessions with me. Uh, you know, if you want me to review your pitch, or you want to talk about comics writing, or you talk about Kickstarter or publicity or Hollywood, you can set the agenda. Um, we have a couple of commissions, uh, original headshots left from Ruben. So if there's a character you want him to draw, he will draw a headshot of any character for you um we've also got uh his design cards uh of dorothy's original designs um that's that's a tier um and then uh last but not least uh we actually have some ultra rare limited edition handmade spencer and lock plushies um oh, man. And we had <laughs> we had 10 of them made uh for my creative team as a thank you gift we uh-huh. had three left uh oh, i oh. think currently uh-huh. we have two left um it's it's sort of our our, our highest tier item right now uh-huh. uh, because it's a piece of history um, yeah. you know it's 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 one of those things even the person who i had commissioned them is no longer in the game so this is it these are the old, these yeah. are this is so. it um but yeah you know I, I try to make it a point that we not only give every reader a lot of bang for their buck both from sort of the the double-sized issue to all the digital add-ons But we wanted to make sure that there was something for every tier of budget. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to be exclusive, you know, to, to to people. I want to, the whole reason I did Kickstarter was to invite more people to the table and to build that wider consensus. And so as somebody who is a self-proclaimed Kickstarter lurker, um, I primarily back products at the digital level because I live in a Mm -hmm. two-bedroom apartment in LA and I don't have bookshelf space. Um, but you know, that means that like anybody can read my stuff. Um, exactly. And so that's that's really what we've been trying to offer here is a a low impact, low cost for shipping way to offer people a chance to read this book. And then if you want physical copies, then there are different options for you there as well. Yeah, I do a lot of kickstarts, and I tell friends, "Well, what, how you know you spend so much on one comic?" I go,
2: "If you go digital, <laughs> it's really not that much more, and there's no shipping cost, and you can get some." Now, yeah. if you want a book. Sure so I do a lot because I'm a collector, sure yeah, you're gonna spend some money but <laughs>
0: yeah I mean listen i I will never like i like i'm I'm certainly not gonna tell you no like order all the variants please where we yeah. <laughs> you know our 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 variant deal actually is if you buy all four covers you're basically getting them for the price of three um you know but yeah it's just it, you know i i I have friends you know who 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 are you know, working in in creative industries they don't always have a ton uh, of disposable yeah. income we've tried to make it accessible for every sort of every sort of budget um and yeah you know i think i think um we're still kind of trying to to to, to build a better batmobile like we're always yeah. trying to think of ways to reinvent and ways to sort of add more value and we're sort of writing down notes both for this campaign and our next campaign of just figuring out okay like now that we've seen how this works how do we make it better uh you know for the next time
2: one thing i've seen that you don't offer that sometimes i like is i didn't see a feature to do like an add-on so like say i bought a package (laughs) and then i said well i really want that other variant can i add on just a copy of That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Because there's a couple I've followed like that that tend to have a lot of variants. So say I've backed because I wanted one that had more to do with um some of the process. Sure. And so that was the package I chose. But then I'm still seeing that variant sitting out there. And how much for me to like
0: them? That's a great idea. Um you know, I I will you know, I actually have a conversation with Backer Kit uh this week. Um Mm -hmm. so that 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 may be uh that, that answer might be evolving soon. Uh, but that's awesome. a great point, And that's something that, yeah, like I want to make sure that Or people... a print
2: or, you know, something like yeah. that. Or...
0: Well, the great thing about prints, is, as far as those are concerned, is, uh, you know, we're, we're offering uh, Kira's print as a stretch goal. So the moment mm-hmm. we hit 30,000, um, all physical backers will get that. Um, and so okay. I think at the rate we're going, we will probably hit that sometime in the next week, uh, maybe sooner. So, yeah, I, I uh, and I, I forgot to mention, I'm sure by the time this goes up, we'll we'll have already posted it. Um, we starting on, on, on Monday, we will be doing a social stretch goal. Um, so we'll have a tweet up. And uh, at, after a certain number of likes and retweets, uh, we will be unlocking a specially recorded theme song for the OC. Ooh, cool. uh, huh. I, I've listened to the rough demo. It's just beautiful and haunting um they're actually hard at work on recording it right now uh the, the polished version and so i can't wait to hear what that sounds like but um that's sort of yeah that's something that we'll be we'll be doing just to make sure that people are still talking about us and people are still spreading the word uh you know and it's just one more way of offering something kind of cool uh, yeah. you know that i think a lot of traditional publishers might not have the time or the energy or the wherewithal or the bandwidth to to offer
2: yeah. on some of our shows recently fred was talking how he likes i don't remember which comic that they off uh, they give you a playlist on the <laughs> back yeah. so he's a big fan
0: <laughs> yeah this is going to be this is going to be a purely original song uh specifically right. for the oz well, and so uh yeah so our our, our this this will be this will be you know this will be good for our yellow brick road warriors right. uh, they'll 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 finally they'll have a a song to rally to
1: do you do you have a playlist that you've created that you wrote this to
0: boy um let's see you know it's it's funny because it's like i wrote this so long ago now that i'm trying to remember because i i i was done with this book even before the pandemic started wow. so um you know and for me it's it's weird like spencer and Locke was probably the biggest playlist i ever had whereas every book besides that i really kind of lock onto like a few a few songs mm-hmm. and i just kind of listen to it on repeat just to wait for the images to kind of hit me so um like there was a song from logan um it's called way down we go um i remember i thought that about that one a lot um you know uh some during some of the action sequences i was listening to uh holiday in cambodia by the uh, dead kennedys um You know, uh, I feel like there was something else. Um, You know, a lot of hip hop, um, you know, uh, you know, that's sort of when I when in doubt, I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I, I, I put on some some hip hop because usually those are the way that those are produced, like it feels a little bit like an action sequence to me. So I can kind of just put that in the the background and kind of just let the energy kind of flow through me there. Um, But yeah, you know, I for me it's when i'm coming up with concepts i'm coming up with concepts pretty regularly and then and, and, you know 90 percent of them are not viable they i i they either are something that already exists or it's really kind of half-baked or i just don't i don't like it after a week um the story development is the stuff that like i'm really like i i'm that that's like 90% of my effort right there. And then the scripting is just the fun part. And that's when I'm listening to a lot of music. And that's when I'm just sort of, you know, letting the lines kind of flow and, you know, I'm sort of reshifting them around. And, and sometimes I kind of stumble onto what I consider to be either cool action beats or cool character moments. Um, and those are usually the moments when I'm really listening to a lot of music. Um, but boy, yeah. You know, talking about missed opportunity. I um, it's been so long since I wrote it that I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you what I listened to. <laughs> uh, I, 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 think besides, besides that song from Logan.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Um, um, do you want to plug all your, uh, all your social media sure. accounts and things like that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D. You can also follow David Pepos comics on Facebook. Um, um, I also have a newsletter called Pep Talks. That's at uh, bit.ly slash Pep News. Um, you can also follow the OZ on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the OZ comic. And, uh, our Kickstarter, uh, a quick link for that is bit.ly slash the OZ comic. That'll take you right to our Kickstarter page. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, listen, the thing I always say is, uh, every, every backer matters. Every dollar counts. Um, you know, uh, the funding we get for, for this Kickstarter, it's, it's not going into my pocket. It's going towards the next issues. It's going towards, uh our, paying our cover artists it's going towards paying our printing fees it's going towards paying our shipping um you know if it makes you feel any better that this kickstarter is not me making money as much as me not being in the hole um yeah. you know which is 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 a nice change of pace uh, from all my other books uh um, so yeah you know it's just every every backer matters i mean ultimately my prerogative is just to bring as many readers to the table as possible And that's why we're working overtime to make sure that we can offer you the most bang for your buck. And, um, yeah, you know, I think for anybody who's still, you know, on the fence, um, you know, we're not doing this for shock value sake. That's not a way to build reader investment. That's not a way to engage audiences. Um, It's, you know, we try to work really hard to to justify the story narratively and give you characters that you care about. Because at the end of the day, that's what storytelling is. It's the art of making strangers give a damn. Mm-hmm. And I think we've worked really hard um, to do that. And um, I think I think if you like fantasy, if you like Mad Max, if you like the old guard, um, you're going to love what we're doing in the O.C. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Thank you very much, David. Thank I you. Yeah. It.
1: Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks
0: so much for having me.